Welcome back to Lindy Line, a story and podcast by Simon Brooks. Is this your first time here? If it is, we're five episodes in and about to start episode six. So go back, find episode one, two, three, four and five. And when you've listened to the fifth episode, then come back for episode six, chapter 26, A Turn of Events. Michaelmas was talking to Riley when Ma Stanhope stopped her horse. She turned and asked the old man, Does that blackthorn stick of yours tell you where people are? Michaelmas, Tommy and Riley were all walking side by side, leading the horses. If I ask it nicely, he said with a lopsided grin, Could you ask it to find the Princess Avery and the hunter? Why? asked Riley. Tommy pulled up his horse around so they could make a circle about Michaelmas. What's going on, Mum? Michaelmas, who was using the staff, stopped walking. He pulled the key from his shirt, placing it into his staff and closed his eyes. He began to mumble and the head of the Blackthorn staff began to light up. Ma Stanhope turned to Tommy and quietly said, I just had a strange feeling about something wasn't quite right. It doesn't hurt to check. They waited only a moment before Michaelmas snapped his eyes open. The creature's bolted south, he said. But the princess, said Tommy. I can't see the hunter or the princess, but the ponies are still where you said they were, Mrs Stanhope. But they are with two other people. He closed his eyes again. The only sound was of dripping water from the trees and the occasional sound of birdsong. I can't see them. Not even in the trees. It's as if they have vanished, been snatched into thin air. We've got to go and find them, said Tommy, and Princess Riley nodded. Tommy jumped up onto his horse. Wait! Michaelmas held up his hand. Wait, he said. Why? said Riley, jumping up onto her horse. We don't know where she or the hunter are. We know where the unicorn and pegasus are going, or at least in which direction they're travelling. We have to keep them safe, otherwise all is lost. Michaelmas barely breathed the words. Tommy looked at his mother. Mum? he said. Well, it makes sense, Tommy. If no one protects these poor creatures, the kingdom is lost. No one would dare hurt the princess. You don't know that, said Riley. The wrath of king and queen would be great if someone were to harm Princess Avery, said Ma Stanhope. I couldn't imagine their wrath. Some might say anger. You look after those animals then, said Tommy, fire lighting in his eyes. I'm going to find the princess. And with a flick of his reins and a bump with his heels, he rode off. Michaelmas looked at Princess Riley and raised his eyebrows. She said, I've got to go too. It's my sister. I know, said Michaelmas. I know. Riley rode off after Tommy Stanhope, the thunder of their hooves lessening quickly as they galloped further and further away. Well, this is a turn of events, isn't it? said Ma Stanhope. Indeed, said the old man, as he began to remove some of the supplies off the pack horse and onto his own. Some of the supplies he separated out and hung in a tree. In case we need it later, he said. We can't take it all now. Once both horses had a manageable load, one with a saddle and the other with just a blanket, Michaelmas looked at Ma Stanhope. Can you ride, madam? he asked. Oh, you silly old fool, she said, leaping onto the blanketed horse. I'm a country lass. Of course I can. You can have the one with the saddle. That nag is used to you, and your old bones will need a saddle more than mine. Michaelmas suppressed, some would say hid, 
the smile that was trying to grow on his face as he mounted. Michaelmas clicked his tongue, gently squeezed his horse, and rode in the direction of the unicorn Pegasus and Unisus. The noise of the horse's hooves hid the sound of wings as Jonesy glided onto Michaelmas's head. The raven kept his wings spread, trying to stay balanced until the old man slowed enough for the raven to land on his shoulders. Mar Stanhope could not make out what was being said, but as soon as she was level with Michaelmas, he told her everything the raven had told him about the attack on Avery and the hunter. Should one of us go and help Riley and Tommy? said Mar Stanhope. No. You've met the Pegasus and Unicorn. They know you and will trust you. I need your help, and I'm no warrior. We can try to get them safely to Willow Falls and hide out there until it's safe to move again. Chapter 27. Turning the Tables Let's not ride in like a cavalry, Riley shouted over to Tommy as they neared where they thought the hunter and Avery had last been. Well, that, that would be hard to do with just the two of us, said Tommy. I can't believe they care more about those animals than your... I mean, her... Uh, your sister Avery. My sister Avery, Riley smiled, nodding. And they are right, because they care about the kingdom and the land of Lindyline. Should Birchwood get hold of the unicorn Pegasus and their filly, all the kingdom will be lost, and all will be for nothing. So do you have a plan? asked Tommy. I thought you had one, replied Riley. Well, not yet, he said. I think we should ride in as if we didn't know what was happening, but have our weapons at the ready, and that way whoever is there will think they have the upper hand, said Riley. But they do, for now they do. Riley smiled at Tommy, who looked more than a little nervous. The two companions could smell the fire before they saw the smoke wafting between the trees, like a snaky mist as their horses trotted towards the camp. Riley slowed a horse to a walk, and resting her hand on the hilt of a sword, drew it from the scabbard and hid it beneath her long cloak. Tommy drew his own sword and rested it across his legs. Riley and Tommy saw the royal ponies and the shape of one person leaning against a tree. There was something else leaning against another tree. Avery? Hunter? Riley called out as they rode into the clearing. Tommy dismounted with an easy motion, still with the sword in his hand. A flash of light, a swift movement, and Tommy was face down on the ground with a soldier sitting on his back, pulling one of his arms behind him, his face being pushed into the dirt. Tommy struggled and mumbled under his breath, but couldn't move his oppressor, some might say bully. The figure, which had been leaning against the tree, pushed itself off the tree and approached the princess, the soldier pointing her sword at Riley. The figure was the other soldier, but she wasn't too steady on her feet. Dismount slowly, your highness, said the soldier. Riley did not move. Get off my bodyguard, she said. Riley noticed that the soldier she was talking to was wounded and bleeding from a free arm. Concern flashed across the princess's face. You're hurt. And you're not getting off your pony, princess, said the soldier. Look, get off Tommy there. His mother is a witch and Tommy could help with that wound of yours. Tommy's face was sideways in the dirt, and neither of the soldiers or Riley could see his puzzled expression. His face had a look on it which said, What? I can't heal anyone. Is she mad? The soldier sitting on Tommy turned and pressed one of his knees into the middle of Tommy's back. Can you? he asked. Ah, uh, said Tommy with mud and leaves in his mouth. The soldier got up slowly, taking Tommy's sword and throwing it in between the trees before grabbing both his arms. 
Young Stanhope had a hard time standing up straight with the soldier, who was much taller than Tommy, holding on tight to the young man's limbs. He spat out some dirt from his mouth. Where is Avery and the hunter? he said, lifting his head up to stare hard at the soldier, pointing a sword at Riley. Never you mind, said the warrior behind Tommy. Riley noticed that the soldier with the sword glanced quickly to the trees at the edge of the forest and towards Mink Brook. Tommy, help this woman. It looks as if she might have lost a lot of blood, Riley spoke gently and nudged her horse so it jumped a little. Don't move, said the soldier as she looked between Tommy and Riley, but the princess threw her cloak to one side and leaning low, her sword twisted the soldier's sword from her hand, tossing it into the air. Tommy stood up straight and twisted himself, throwing the other soldier off him and caught the sword's handle as it came down. Riley pulled the horse around to knock her soldier over, while Tommy did the same with his soldier. Jumping from her horse, Riley placed the point of her sword at the soldier's throat, pinning her to the ground. Tommy, tie that one up against the tree and have a look at this soldier. Wash the wound first, she's bleeding pretty badly. Princess Riley did not move the blade from the soldier's throat. Tommy tied his soldier up and then bound him to a tree. When he had secured the soldier, some might say had the soldier well and truly knotted to the tree, Tommy came over to look at the wounds of the other. Riley went to her saddlebags and brought out a cloth wrapped around a small packet. She unrolled it and inside the cloth were jars of cream, some thin needles and thread, clean rags and a very fine and sharp looking knife. Tommy, once he got the soldier to remove her jacket, had ripped the sleeve open to look at the wound. Using his canteen, he washed the cut, but it was deep. Without saying anything, Riley took over. She opened up one of the jars and pulled out some goo, rubbing it on and into the cut. The soldier gasped and jerked her arm away, but Riley had a strong grip and did not let go. I have to warn you that the next bit is a little bit gruesome. Some might say sickening. You may want to skip this next bit if you have a weak stomach or have just eaten recently. The next bit will hurt, the princess said. Tommy, get a stick or give the woman your belt to bite on. When the soldier had a piece of wood between her teeth, Riley began to stitch the wound slowly and very carefully. The soldier's teeth went deep into the wood and she groaned before passing out. It did not take long to stitch, and once the thread was cut, Riley dressed the wound with clean rags, which had been torn into strips. Standing, Riley looked at the other soldier. She should be fine. We'll leave you with one sword. When she wakes, tell her to rest and keep the dressing clean. The other soldier nodded and thanked the princess as she dropped a sword not too far from the soldier. You will look after those ponies. They belong to myself and my sister. You will yield to Lindyline. Ride into the city to my mother and father and tell them Private Stanhope and I are fine and looking for Princess Avery. Do this and you will be rewarded. If you fail to surrender to my parents, you will be hunted down. You understand? The man tied to the tree nodded. He had no doubt that this young girl would indeed hunt him down if he failed to do what she demanded and he did not want this to happen. Come along, Private Stanhope. We have to find my sister. Tommy leapt up onto his mount as the princess climbed on hers. He wheeled his horse around and grabbed at the cloth that was still leaning against a tree and pulled it under his arm. He rode after Riley, who was heading out of the forest and toward Mink Brook. When she turned and saw Tommy, she called to him, What's that you have, Tommy? 
I believe you're Miss Riley. It's a flying carpet. I was looking at it when you were cleaning up that soldier. A flying carpet? Didn't Michaelmas say they'd been snatched into thin air? Maybe they were simply put on a magic carpet. And with that, they rode as if chased by the four winds. Chapter 28. Trust. Princess Avery didn't know what was going to happen. Now she was being flown away on a carpet. She was glad not to be on the same carpet as the hunter, but at the same time had some very serious questions to ask him. And these questions required hard answers. The hunter did have some answers for her. He did want to fly with Avery to explain his actions, but they had been split up. Had they flown together, it seemed a possible escape would have been imminent, some might say about to happen. So, said the soldier, with whom Avery shared a carpet, you got yourself a kidnapper, did you? He almost laughed. It does seem that way. The princess thought it best to say as little as possible. Why did you think he wanted a little princess like you with him then, eh? Wouldn't that slow him down? asked the guard, although it seemed to Avery he already knew the answer. Something to do with being pure of heart. Me, not him. I doubt you have anything close to a pure heart either. The hunter needed someone pure of heart to capture the unicorn, she said. I hope he treated you proper, like a real princess, like one should. The soldier sneered at the girl and then laughed. The captain, on another carpet with the hunter, raised his eyebrows, inquiring if this was true. Yeah, being all grown up and being the person I am, doing the job that I do, I don't think anyone could call me pure of heart. The captain grunted at this and the hunter continued. Avery was the obvious choice and would also get me a good reward from King Boris. He paused and looked at the captain. Can you imagine what Boris would give me for the unicorn and the princess? The hunter grinned a mean grin, his eyes almost hooded and brows coming close together. The captain slapped him on the back. I knew you were all right, said the officer, even if you did shoot one of my soldiers. Friendly fire, is that what you call it? The captain smiled at the hunter. What say we get provisions in Wilhay? We can wait there for the other soldiers to catch up with us before going on to His Majesty King Boris. Yes, but when we get to Wilhay, stop just outside of the village. Let me go in first and find somewhere safe for you and us, the soldiers and spies. Some people in Wilhay are fierce supporters of the King and Queen of Lindyline. There are some, I know, who would shelter us. Even though Wilhay is a small village, there are many more of them than there are of us in this party. How can I trust you? said the captain. I'll leave with the Princess Avery and my bow. A hunter rarely, if ever, gives his bow over so easily, nor his prey. It was the captain's turn to grin. Later in the day, as they got close to the village, they brought the flying carpets down. The hunter gave over his bow and glanced at Avery with a look he wished would give her hope. We'll camp here tonight, said the captain as they landed. He looked at the hunter, who looked at Avery, and then back at the captain. I will leave in the darkness and seek out a safe place for us in the village, returning before morning with news. It will be safer for us all to go into the village in daylight once we know who our friends are. It's also less threatening that way. Word will get out once I leave, and we won't want anyone to be surprised and panic. And so that is what happened. Chapter 29. What Jonesy Sees and Hears Although Riley and Stanhope 
rode fast from the forest, they had been delayed by the encounter with the Birchwood soldiers. Stanhope had very good eyes and caught the sight of the carpets just disappearing below the ridge of a hill. When they reached the ridge themselves and looked about for the flyers, both Riley and Tommy thought they caught the sight of the carpets flying off to the southeast, but by now the light was low and the shadows dark. We'll not catch up with them at this rate, said Stanhope. No, we won't. Let's make camp here, said Riley. Mark the direction we saw them take. I'll feed the horses. Riley climbed down from her mount. While Stanhope found sticks to mark direction, Riley fed the horses. By the time she was done taking the saddles off and brushing the creatures down, Stanhope had a fire blazing and began to cook. The night was cold. The wind blew hard and it was difficult to keep the fire going and staying warm, let alone trying to sleep. It seemed much too short of a night when they both woke early to the cold. The sky was still dark but showed signs of brightening. Riley poked Stanhope awake and suggested they left as early as possible. As Stanhope got breakfast, Riley got the horses ready. Neither Riley nor Tommy noticed Jonesy flying above them when they began to ride off. The wind, which was behind the great black bird, carried the raven's voice away, so they did not hear him crying out. But the bird saw the princess and the soldier, Tommy Stanhope, and flew on. His wings kept him stable as winds tried to toss and flip the bird. Jonesy flew on and on. He had rested well with Michaelmas before heading in this direction, but he had been searching for a long time and was once more tired. Being up so high and having such keen vision, he could see for miles, and a mere thirty minutes after passing Stanhope and Riley, Jonesy saw the spies, the soldiers of King Boris and Prince Avery, but not the hunter. The group were drinking from what looked like warm mugs, liquid steaming in the cool air. One of the soldiers cooked breakfast in the almost dark light of the early morning. The bird flew on into the village of Wilhay, looking around and searching. Then he heard voices and glided downwards to a small courtyard. There, one voice was doing most of the talking, and it was the voice he was looking for. Sitting in the shelter and against the warmth of a chimney, Jones's eyes looked amongst the four people gathered there. Jonesy watched as they stood also drinking something warm, talking to one another. One of them was the hunter. As I told you last night, there are six men, two spies and four soldiers. Two were left behind, one being injured, and I have no idea if they caught up last night, so let's assume six. I can't really imagine the two left behind capturing Michaelmas, Ma Stanhope and her son and the princess. I think it was a stalling tactic, some might say plan, but who knows? Michaelmas's party might have split up, one to follow us and the other group to find the unicorn. I don't know. Well, what do you want us to do? Look after you? asked a woman in the group. Put us up. Look after all of us, especially the princess. I do not want to hurt, even by accident. You've brought spies to our village and trained soldiers. The village want to be rid of them. They could be fighting, said the woman. Not if you get word out not to harm them, said the hunter. We need to split them up. The officer and Princess Avery and me at the inn, the spies and other soldiers can have a barn. That way it will be easier to drug Boris's men. And then what? asked a man stooped over. The woman looked at him and brushed his close-trimmed hair. He moved his head back. The hunter laughed and playfully ruffled the man's hair. 
Give over, you. I'm older, and you should show some respect. Sorry, Richard, said the hunter, but his tone and the smile on his mouth said otherwise. Dr Jordan is with us, aren't you? The hunter looked at a portly man who, despite his girth, some might say large waist, was tall and looked as if he could move very quickly. The man nodded and then said, We talked last night. Ben'll give us that liquid. Chloroform, said the doctor. Yes, that's it. It's the stuff Doc sometimes uses to knock people out. We use the chloroform on Boris's men. Once they're knocked out, we'll tie them up, drive them out of town on a cart, and dump them somewhere. Far from here. They won't know this part of the kingdom. It should take them days and days to find their way back to anywhere they know. They won't be able to think straight for a while either, said Dr Ben Johnson, smiling. And while they're lost, said the hunter, scowling a little, we should have this sorted. There were some heads which nodded. I'll take the princess back to the forest, and we'll find the unicorn and get a nice reward, which you'll share with your good old ma'am. Exactly, said the hunter. The hunter's bent over brother Richard snorted, and then said, Frank will open the inn. I spoke with him after you and I did last night. Bring them here as soon as possible, while few are awake. It'll be easier to sort out with the others still sleeping. Frank says there are a couple of other guests, but I can put them up for a night if needed. No point in innocent folk getting in the way. Or hurt, said the mother. No one will get hurt, said the hunter. He looked at everyone and smiled. Thanks. Who works at the inn these days, anyway? Frank and Emma have a good young lad called Robbie. He moved here about a year ago. He's a good one, he is, said the hunter's mother. The others nodded. You trust him, then? asked the hunter. Everyone nodded again and mumbled agreement. Why shouldn't we? asked Dr Jordan. He might be a spy. Why in the kingdom would Boris send a young boy to spy here, in all of the outs-of-the-way places? said Richard. I suppose, said the hunter quietly. OK, I have to get back before daybreak. Get the word out for people to keep out of the way as best they can. No need to start a war here or a riot. There are only a few of them said the hunter, nodding in the direction out of town to the soldiers, away from the morning light. Darkness was still lifting when he ran back to the camp, where Avery and the others waited a mere mile away. Jonesy, who had been listening to all this hidden with the comfort of the chimney, reluctantly spread his wings and flew off to find Michaelmas. And there ends episode six of Lindy Line. Come back to the same channel... At about the same time, for more. Bye.